Hello London, we are ready for your vote. Hello, I'm Stephen Perkins and this is Douzepoir, the podcast from the Binge Watch family that celebrates the weirdness and the wonder of the Eurovision Song Contest. It is Sunday the 14th of May and Eurovision 2023 is officially over, with Sweden's Lurien becoming only the second artist ever to win the contest twice. And we're going to be having a little bit of a reaction to last night's contest and I'm joined once again by my brilliant producer Liam Heffernan. Liam, welcome to the show again. Good morning. Yeah, how are you feeling today? I'm so tired. <laughs> I just I think I said as much on Twitter last night, but I find it once the contest is over, it's so hard to just disconnect and go to bed because I've got so many thoughts churning around my head about who voted for who and why and who should have done better and who did better than I was expecting. And yeah, I I I think I stayed up for about an hour afterwards and then I went to bed and still I was sat there lying in bed just thinking about it. So I apologize if I'm not hugely coherent this morning. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm okay. Um, I, I, unlike you, I was straight to sleep after Eurovision ended. But I feel like it was a night of, of few surprises um, when you look at the final results, as, as I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think ultimately um, the the end result wasn't a surprise to anyone uh, mm. in particular. There were a, a few sort of minor surprises in terms of like the televote, I think. Um, but generally, I don't. I yeah, I think there was. If I, had, if I had one criticism of the show, and we'll, we'll start in a minute by talking about the show generally, I think one criticism of the show, and it couldn't really have been avoided, is that by the end, you were just sort of waiting for the moment that you knew was coming where Sweden were going to win again. Mm. And we were kind of just going through the process of the votes coming in, going, well, it doesn't really look like anything can stop them now. Um, but let's let, let's start, I think, and just have a little chat about the show generally. Because, I mean, I... The one thing that was going through my head um, at the end, when it became very, very clear that we we were kind of going to have another disappointing year results-wise for the UK, was that we can still hold our heads up high this year because we put on a fantastic show. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think one of the things that we were saying as we were watching last night was, um, and, and without being too disparaging to literally every other country that's hosted in the past, but I think the presenting was spot on and i think we really raised the bar in that respect you know that the whole team led by hannah and graham um were just i think they got it spot on this year um yeah yeah you're right the whole production value it was it was such a good show you know it really felt like the whole week they've been building this real sense of community and togetherness and and really making ukraine a big part of that as well um so yeah yeah well done to the bbc Exactly. And I think what was really nice, well, I think we, we, we even saw a progression from sort of Tuesday to Saturday in terms of just the chemistry between the hosts. That it just They got more relaxed, they got more comfortable. By the time Saturday came around, they, they were so on it. They Everyone knew exactly what they were doing. Mm. Um, like you say, it was wonderful to have Ukraine be such a kind of um, inherent part of the whole contest. It, it, you know, it, it felt like it was UK hosting, but it was UK hosting with Ukraine, mm. um, which was brilliant. And I, I, you know, when, when, when it was announced we were going to host, I maybe had a few worries because I thought, you know, tonally, does the UK view still view Eurovision in that way where we're going to kind of not take it seriously and we're, we're going to, you know, camp out too much? And I think the tone was perfect. I think it we we acknowledged the inherent ridiculousness of Eurovision because I think you can't not, but it's done with so much love and affection for the contest and 
pride, I think. There was a genuine sense of pride at hosting, and yeah. everyone involved just seemed to be so happy to be there. The you know, the atmosphere in the arena was incredible. Um, and, I, you know, I, 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 obviously I'm biased, but I think we can genuinely hold that up as one of the best Eurovisions of recent years, I think. You know, we, we, we absolutely knocked it out of the park. Definitely, yeah. We, we, we showed how it, how it could be done and, and how it should be done. And, you know, what I really like was during particularly the results when there was a couple of boos where people in the crowd weren't particularly um in agreement mm. with the points and it was hannah waddingham that was kind of telling people to you know stop the booing you know we're all yeah. just we're all here to support each other you know I, I think to be that outspoken and really kind of you know stamp down on on the booing i think was a really nice touch as well yeah, and and the way she did it as well, she didn't do it harshly. She was mm. she was just very very firm, but very you know, did with a big smile on her face, but very firm, and just saying that's not what this is about. We yeah. are here as one. We're united, and you know, I mean, obviously, you, know, you could tell towards the end the people in the audience were rooting for Finland, and you know, they were getting a bit unhappy that Sweden were just kind of taking off at such a trot and yeah. were unable to be caught. Um, but you know, yeah, like you say, the fact that it was it was really well managed. I mean, I remember we got to like eleven o'clock and the votes hadn't even started yet, and I was like, my god, this event is going to overrun chronically. And I think in the end we were only about four or five minutes late going off the air. So yeah. the actual voting part, which can go so wrong because people, yeah, you know, we still there was a few instances of people just you know the jury spokespeople just not wanting to get to the point and going off on a tangent and. We still just got there. You know, it was very slick. It was done in time. No one really kind of dragged it back by uh, really kind of upsetting the flow of the show. It, it, the actual vote reveal was very slick and very, very well done, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to quickly open the door and let my dog in. You can tell this is a very <laughs> unscripted show because she's going crazy outside it. Well, I think my my cat might well be making an appearance at some point. So we're, <laughs> we, we've got numerous co-hosts over the course of this episode. Um, I, I want to um, just mention a couple of highlights from from the presentation myself. I mean, I loved the flag the flag parade at the beginning. I thought it was great to have the little breaks for some Ukrainian um, icons mm. from Eurovision to come back and, and perform again. Obviously, former guest on this podcast, Tina Carroll, was there absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. <laughs> she like she was incredible she appears to have just not aged at all <laughs> since she was on Eurovision um, and um, yeah and then also uh, like Roger, the big surprise performance being Roger Daltrey we yes. had a lot of speculation about who that was going to be that was quite cool um, Mel Gedroich churning butter behind Hannah Waddingham the, <laughs> the evening moment. of the evening yeah uh, like I just it was so unexpected so brilliant and so um, and I think you know the, the vibe I got from Mel's commentary was that you know she is a huge Eurovision fan and she yeah. just felt so incredibly privileged to be part of it this year. And so to have a little get her on camera moment was just lovely. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's I'm sure that there'll be some critics of, of Mel's commentary because it was a very different vibe to what mm-hmm. Graham brings. But, uh, you know, she brought her own style to it. I thought it was it was I guess perhaps more optimistic than than Graham's commentary, but yeah, you're right. You can tell she's just. I think the whole team, like Scott, Ryland, Mel, Graham, all the presenters, I think they do it for free, given the chance. <laughs> you know, they they really came across as though they just loved to be there and they wanted to be there. And had they not been working, they'd be first in line for tickets. 
Definitely. I mean, I think you know what, what you said about about Mel being a different vibe was very true. I I really liked it, and I'm not saying I don't like the way Graham does it because uh, I do. But I liked that she was kind. Of, I think we were sort of saying in our house that um, given where the UK finished, I think had Graham been commentating, there would have been a lot more comments about how badly we were doing and, and what a shame it was. And yeah, you know, and and Mel kind of didn't really dwell on that. She just kind of was mm. was dwelling on what was actually happening and who was in the lead and you know, oh, that's nice for so and so. They're doing really well. And uh, I, I I really enjoyed. The much more like you say a much more of an optimistic vibe about it and I, mm. I felt that was a really nice change um and you know i'd be kind i'd be quite happy to maybe see her get more involved again in future maybe she could commentate on the semis or on radio 2 or on the red button or something you know i'd love to have her um more involved with it i think she's really um really proved herself yeah um, i think um my my allegiance is still with graham i think i i, I love <laughs> i love his commentary oh, don't um, get me wrong i'm not saying i'm not saying graham shouldn't be back in his rightful spot next year because <laughs> you know he's still great but i just i really liked what mel did yeah no oh, i would love her to still be involved in future years i think that there was a there was a really good dynamic um with mel and the rest of the the eurovision team um yeah she she was great and just stealing the show by churning butter in the background <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, fair dues. And also, I just I love the fact that we built up Sonia like it was like Beyonce coming on. It was just <laughs> I mean, it, there was something so incredibly United Kingdom about the fact that we had this massive celebration of someone who didn't even win. Like, you know, she was second. I loved her. I loved her entry that year. She was brilliant. She's a Eurovision icon. But the fact that we kind of went all out for one of our runner-ups because that's what we do best at Eurovision. We do the finish. Or with the runner-up. I think the only way to have topped that was to was to have a huge reveal, and it turned out to be Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I did wonder at one point if that was something that we were going to do, and I'm quite <laughs> glad we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, let's obviously we've got to talk about Sweden being the winners. Um. I think most of us knew that was what how it was going to end ultimately. Mm. Um. I think even early in the voting it just really felt like that's where it was all going um and i certainly by the time we got to the end of the jury votes i was looking at it going well you know i just i don't see any universe in which finland make up enough ground over sweden in the televote that the result is going to change when the televote when the televote comes in like this is sweden's year and the thing is there's so much kind of you I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say you know that people. The people behind it wanted Sweden to happen to win, but you could tell they've got such a good narrative for next year because it's the 50th anniversary of Waterloo. Um, they are now the joint leaders in terms of number of wins. Uh, obviously, it was Lorraine's second win at Eurovision. So there was so much narrative behind Sweden that it kind of, it's it's beautiful and and you couldn't script it, and that kind of makes their victory so much more um, fulfilling. To, um, for want of a better word, I—I I mean, you say fulfilling. I say um, tolerable. Um, I think <laughs> uh, you, you know we we chatted last week after the first semi-final, and and I was I was sort of championing Sweden. Uh, you know, I liked the song, I liked the staging. Um, I thought Lorene was really good. I and I think this is why maybe they didn't perform as well in the televote um, versus the jury because last night. I didn't get it. I really, there was something just a bit more average about Sweden's performance. And I, I really on, on the, on the merit of the performances in Saturday's final alone, I don't think Sweden deserved to win as comfortably as they did. 
See, that's interesting because obviously we talked on, on Tuesday and, and I was a bit cold about Sweden then and I think I said it was clinical. And I think, if anything, I came round to it a bit more on Saturday night. I think, I don't know if it was just the inevitability of the, of the win and me just like deciding I was absolutely making my peace with that because, you know, I was always fine with them as a winner. They just never were my top choice. Mm. Um, you know, I was absolutely team Finland the whole way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I also think just um it was i thought it was a really strong performance um it was incredibly well i think they more than anyone really got the staging right because they kept everything very tight on lorene camera wise Mm. in a way that a lot of countries kind of failed to do um and it just clicked i think really really well so um yeah um yeah I, I, i feel bad for finland um, Finland were the people's think, champion, weren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, and to be fair, I think there is a lot to be said for, for going away knowing you're, you're the people's champion, but you haven't got to worry about hosting it next year. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot to be said for that. So, Although I mean, we, we, it, we could have said the same last year when we got lumbered with hosting. So. <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think Sweden are going to turn down the chance to host, though, so <laughs> we'll be all right. Um, but, oh, I mean, the thing is, that, that, that final head-to-head that you get every year, um, the fact that it was so close... And you could see Karia genuinely looking quite gutted that he hadn't won because mm. he came so. And and the fact that it was much much closer than I thought it would be at the end. Like I yeah. I I thought when I saw how how far ahead Sweden were in in the jury voting, I thought they were gonna yeah you because know, it's such a huge um, streaming hit. It's been a, you know a chart hit in loads and loads of countries. Mm. I thought they were gonna hoover up all the televotes as well. And the fact that actually. You know, I mean, it, it's been revealed this morning that they didn't actually, they're the first country ever to not get 12 in the televote and win um, that's, since, you know, since we brought televotes in. That's really interesting. And, and and when you look at the points, you know, Finland gained about 100 points on Sweden from the televote. Yeah. You know, so I, I, it, it wasn't the sort of runaway success that people expected. And it, it was the fact that, that the jury loved Sweden so much that, yeah. that is what saved them because 60 yeah. points when there's so many to give out nowadays is really not a big margin yeah exactly i mean um obviously sweden just you know did very very comfortably in the kind of the the tens and the eights and it was mm. enough to kind of just just keep them well ahead mm. um i think what's really interesting if you look at the the televotes um yeah and we'll, we'll we'll go into this in more detail on a later date when i've had a bit more time to think about it and digest it all but the fact that the the televotes were so heavily concentrated on um you know the top seven i think i mean basically um yeah. if you look at it every country eighth and below in the televote got fewer than 100 points so mm. it just wasn't particularly widely spread and you know we, we saw some big surprises in there i mean like austria was so hurt by going on first potentially I, don't, I can't, yeah. can't give you the exact reason why they did so badly, but um, yeah, their televote was much, much lower than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I felt really um, bad for Austria because I really liked the song. I thought it was it was a bit um, kitsch, it was a bit fun, um, but it was it was really well done. Um, it deserved mm. a higher placing. But you know, I think it's interesting you touching on the sort of the the, the, the concentration of of the televote because we saw it very similarly um, a few years back when. Um, and I'm, I'm going to forget his name, the guy who um, represented the UK two years ago um, and got Neil Poir. Uh, uh James Newman. James Newman, yes. Um, you know, we weren't the only country to get nothing from the televote. I think there were mm. four, the first four or five countries didn't get anything. You know, so I think we're starting to see maybe a sort of convergence in taste 
um, among European voters, where you're getting um, a much higher percentage of the of the points going to that smaller cohort at the top. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm one of those people who sits here going, ban juries, we should have it be 100% televote. But at the same time, <laughs> looking at the results on the televote from last night, I'm like, it would have been a really boring final reveal because it would have just been, you know, there, there would have been no jeopardy in it. I mean, I appreciate mm. there wasn't an awful lot of jeopardy in it either way, but it would have been so kind of heavily focused on, um, you know, a, a very small handful of countries. So mm. I... I there is there is no perfect solution to to the voting. I think there's 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 always there's pros and cons to whichever way we decide to do it. And yeah. what, what's also interestingly has been pointed out again, um, semi final two compared to the final is a really really interesting case study because sorry there's a fly buzzing around me. Uh, hopefully it's not being picked up by the microphone. So apologies if that is um, becoming part part of the soundtrack to everyone listening. Um, the fact that um, the semi final two televote, which was televote only as both semifinals were, was won by uh, Australia with Austria in second place, mm. um, and then their um, televote scores in the final were quite disappointing, and they were I believe in the final pretty much beaten by everybody else televote wise from their semi-final so it just goes to show that the audience of the, of the two shows is very different mm. um obviously the field of entries is very different and also i think um running order as well makes so much of a difference so yeah. um i think that you know people people will be writing long long essays on the internet about the voting this year and i for one can't wait to read them because i'm that much of a nerd yeah and i i think you're right with the running order and it makes me a little bit surprised and i'm still trying to work out why we chose to go last um, and put the uk in last we didn't we didn't, we didn't. choose to go last we, we we drew that position yeah interesting um, yeah um i i don't think we would have chosen i mean um yeah going last isn't isn't a great position a lot of the time because i think by that point you know as much as anything people have kind of made their allegiance by that point yeah um, yeah, and unless you give them a really good um, argument, again, and you know, I mean, I'm obviously I'm gutted for Mae Muller because I really liked the song. She seemed brilliant as a human being. Um, I think ultimately the performance wasn't strong enough, and no. we didn't give people enough of a reason to vote for us. There, there wasn't. We weren't doing anything well enough. Like the performance was fine, but it wasn't enough. Um, mm. The thing you have to remember, obviously, at Eurovision is that. Only the top ten countries in you know the ranking of the juries or the televote will get any points. So mm. finishing eleventh is as good as finishing twenty sixth. Yeah. And we, you know, we we just when I sat back and all the performances were over, and I sat back and watched, and I was like, I just don't think we've done enough to end up in people's top tens. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, and if you compare our nearest equivalent, I think on the night was Poland in terms of it being a. You know, like a sassy, upbeat post-breakup song about self-empowerment, mm. and I just think Poland took that concept and executed it so much better than we did. Yeah, I agree. I think that. Well, I, I mean, I echo everything that you that you said. It it was a very safe Eurovision performance, and you're right. There was no incentive there for people to to vote for us above others, and I. I think as well, people are going to have their opinions on, on May Muller's performance. But when you have Sam Ryder, last year's runner-up, performing at the final, you know, in the um, at the start and, you know, I think during the, 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 while the vote was going on in that interval, I think he performed as well. Um, 
it really did kind of show up the difference in quality because Sam Ryder, like there's nothing particularly wrong with Mae Muller. She was fine, but Sam Ryder's performance live was yeah. miles better. That's, I mean, I think you know, we kind of saw in the in the rehearsals this year that, that, that they were having some trouble figuring out how to do it. And ultimately, I think it's the thing where it's, it's a great radio song, but doesn't didn't really work live for various different reasons. Mm. And what I mean, what I'm hoping for this obviously is that we had such great momentum last year. Everyone was like, hooray, we can do we can do it. We know what to do this year. Obviously, we've gone back to to the mean. Um, and what I'm hoping is that we don't I mean, I've seen a few people already going, oh, God, we should just give up on Eurovision. We can't ever win. We don't know what we're doing. I think there's lessons we can learn from this. I think we, the decision to send a song like that was the right decision. It mm. didn't pan out, but I can see on paper it was a good idea. It didn't, yeah. we, you know, and I think a lot of the problem was in the execution of it. And, you know, I think that's that's something we just need to sit back and reflect on. How can we, you know, how can we do something like that and do it better next time? You know, and there's, there's, you know, I, I'm sure I will have more coherent thoughts about this um, in a week's time when I've had a bit more, bit more sleep and a bit more time to think about it. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree, though. I think that the, the response to the song was so overwhelmingly positive. I thought it was a really catchy song. It was it's a great, quite commercial tune. Mm. So I think you're right. I think, you know, and, and even in, you know, the bookies up until the performance, the UK were kind of sitting as outsiders, but still around sort of mid-table. Yeah. And so for us to end up last, or second to last, and means that it, there must have been something in the execution. And, and you're right, there's lessons to be learned. But I, I just wonder if we're at the point where we need to just accept the fact that actually legacy doesn't mean anything. Politics yeah. don't really mean anything. We just need yeah. to focus on having a good song and a good performance on the night. Yeah, and also I think you know, ultimately there we we are not by any means the first host country in recent years to do badly in the final. Like mm. it is quite an established thing because you know, a lot of the time your attention is elsewhere. You've got a competition to put on, and um, so I, I think we can still kind of emerge from this with our heads held high. I, obviously, I'm gutted for May Muller because I don't, you know, I I think she's great. Uh, I, I've listened to loads of her other stuff on Spotify, and she's got some great songs. Um, and I, I feel really bad for her that this is how it ended. Um, and I kind of hope that she's not feeling too miserable this morning. Um, obviously, it's got to sting um, the way it ended. Um, but also, I mean, you know, there there is the tradition of the big five countries always kind of hoovering up from the bottom of the leaderboard. And once mm. again, we had the, the bottom three countries in the televote were us, um, Germany and Spain. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're not the only... Um, um, my husband keeps a little uh, spreadsheet of... Um, each country over the last 10 years and you know how well everyone's doing um germany are bottom um and they're still bottom after last night and our position's kind of unchanged um that that's very diligent of him been... I, I think we need to get him on as the uh, the stats man he's he's i mean he is you know I, this podcast would be nothing without him because i get a lot of my information <laughs> from him um and uh, thanks chris uh he um has also told me apparently that um ireland are now in terms of like overall participation are like absolute last because they've had such a <laughs> terrible run of things in the last sort of 10 years hmm. um so yeah i guess i think you know obviously like i said we'll, we'll have a little bit more of a uh i'm gonna let my ideas percolate a little bit <laughs> no pun intended on my name and um we'll 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 review this contest in in more detail in a week's time but unless you have anything else to add i think we've kind of covered 
a lot of the ground there. No, I think, you know, just to, to bullet point my my opinions from the night, it was um, a, an unsurprising win for Sweden. It was Finland and Italy, very hard done by. Italy, by the way, in my opinion, absolutely the best performance, loved it. And Spain, I just thought, what what was going on? I'm 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 not surprised that they were so so low down. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't a big fan of Italy. It for me, Italy was fine. It just didn't it didn't really do anything for me. Um, Spain, I was not a fan of. Um, mm. It was one of those ones where I was like, this is going to do well with the juries. I'm just not sure it's going to resonate in the televote at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my take, I think overall is, you know, I'm really happy for for Sweden. I think it's a a great winning song wasn't my personal pick um but you know it I, I think they sweden come into this with such skill and such kind of um there's so much songwriting talent in sweden um they know what they're doing at eurovision um and i i just ultimately i think i'm re- I'm, re- I'm really happy for them i'm really happy with with it as a winning song mm-hmm. even if it wasn't my personal choice i've got i'm not sat, sat here this morning being outraged about it i'm perfectly happy with the outcome of the contest so um yeah i think ultimately i'm i've got nothing but positive vibes generally other than just feeling a bit sad for poor may muller yeah and bring on sweden 2024 Absolutely. Yeah. Apparently, we're pretty much guaranteed to be in Stockholm, from I gather, because Eurovision is now so huge that nowhere else in Sweden is willing to host it. <laughs> uh, but obviously, all those decisions will be made in due course, and I'm sure they've got loads and loads of exciting stuff planned. Abba reunion, who knows? Um, and just to give everyone listening a little bit of a heads up as to what's happening with this podcast now, um, as I've mentioned a few times, we're going to be doing a little bit of a, a, a more... Um, in-depth reaction to this uh, once I had a bit more time to think about it all that will be out a week on Monday uh, and then we're going to go into hibernation for a little bit because uh, we've been very very busy trying to launch this podcast uh, and uh, we're going to take a bit of time off um, and just have a bit of a rest come up with some fantastic new features ideas and we're going to be back I think in July um, that's what we're planning at the moment so obviously in the meantime you should absolutely if you haven't already be hit your subscribe button and uh, make sure that when we do return after our little break, uh, you don't miss a thing. Uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening over the last few weeks. Thank you again to Liam for joining me today and for this lovely chat. Pleasure and, as always. Uh, I, will be, <laughs> I will be back uh, in just over a week's time. And until then, good night Europe and good morning Australia. Yeah.